you get your Bibles out, you can take it out and open it to Matthew, the book of Matthew. We're going to look at a few passages there. Take some notes. We're in a sermon series called Red Letter Day, looking at the words of Jesus in the Gospels and what it teaches us as disciples today. I hope you know that when Jesus was talking, obviously he's talking 2,000 years ago to his disciples, to his followers, but it wasn't just a word for back then that Jesus is talking to you today. And those red words printed in red ink, they are words for his disciples, equipping you to follow him today. And that's why we're studying him, that's why we're taking time, that's why we're diving in and looking, because Jesus is talking to you. Tonight I want to share with you an invitation that he gives that changes the lives of everybody uh, he gives this invitation to. And so we're going to look at a, a few words in red tonight. But before we do, is there's a, a tendency, or, or I should say maybe a temptation, when you're studying the words of Jesus, when you're studying what he tells us to do, to play the game Jesus says. We've all played the game Simon says. We know what that is. But we, sometimes when we look at the life of Christ, we play the game Jesus says. Jesus says, do this. Jesus says, don't do that. Jesus says, pray. Jesus says, read your Bible. Look over there. Oh, Jesus didn't say. You looked over there. You're not supposed to look over there. You're out for looking over there. And you're like, really? Come on. You know, you feel like I, I'm out because I, I did something Jesus didn't tell me to do. And so now I'm out. But then, you know, the Ascension Convention comes or Easter comes. And we say, oh, I got to get back with God. I got to get right with God. So I'm going to get back in the game of Jesus says. And the problem is the longer we play the game Jesus says and the, and the less that we get out, the more we become critical of those that are out of the Jesus says game. And the better we begin to feel about ourselves, well, we're doing what Jesus says and you're not doing what Jesus says and, 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 and we're more holy than you. And I just have to tell you, following Christ is not playing the game Jesus says. If you look at the Gospels, everything Jesus teaches is about relationship. It's not about rules, it's about relationship. Everything Jesus taught was relational. He said, I have come to show you, to reveal to you who God is. And so who is God? Well, He's our Father in heaven. We are his children. Jesus would say, I'm his son. I know that that's a difficult thing for some of us to put our minds around because of the dads that we have. I understand that. But we're talking about the perfect heavenly Father who hears and answers and loves and embraces. And that's what God is saying to us through Jesus. He's saying, I'm your perfect heavenly Father. And I love you so much. It's about relationship. He is the vine and we are the branches. Does the vine ever tell the branch, you need to do this or you, you need to do that? Never. It just gives life to the branch. As long as the branch abides with the vine. See, it's that relationship. It's not the demanding that, 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 that you must do this. It's that abiding that gives life. He gives us the example of a sheep and a shepherd. He says, my, my, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. 
And those are the words in red tonight. The invitation that Jesus gives. His entire message is this. Follow me. And I believe that this message, this, these words in red, they are given to everyone. There's not a select chosen few that get this, but Jesus says, this invitation is for you no matter what. Follow me. Last week we talked about how the longings that are inside of our heart, those desires, those yearnings, they actually lead us to God. That God placed longings in our heart to lead us to Him. And we talked about Jesus coming to His first disciples and asking, what do you want? And forcing them to say, we want to see where you live. We want to be with you, Jesus. And, and, and if you want to go, you can listen to that online. But again, that idea that, that, that Jesus asked, what do you want? And they said, we want to be with you. And so they spend the entire day with Jesus. They get the, all that time with Jesus, and they spent future days with Jesus, and they brought their family to Jesus, and they followed Jesus. They spent time with Him until in Matthew chapter 4, where we begin tonight, is the first call to follow. It says in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 20, one day Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, and He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. The verses that follow, he next goes over to James and John. But here's the thing, is when Jesus asked them to follow, they already knew who Jesus was. We studied that last week in John chapter 1. They had spent time with Jesus, they knew Jesus. And so when he finally says, I want you to follow me, they laid their nets down, they left everything and they followed. Profoundly simply, they just go out and they follow Jesus, but they knew who He was. The thing is, is that when they began to follow and leave everything and go after Him, they didn't fully understand everything. They didn't even really fully understand who Jesus was. They definitely didn't get everything right, that's for sure. They made plenty of mistakes along the way, but the bottom line is that they followed. Then, in Matthew chapter 9, we have the next call to follow, and it comes in the life of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 9, and verse 9, it says, As Jesus walked along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in his, at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. This is an interesting one, because we don't know if Matthew and Jesus had any interaction prior to this, but Jesus calls Matthew to follow him. He calls a tax collector, and the best word I can think of to describe something like a tax collector is the word disgusting. I mean, this, this guy, Matthew, who could tax anything and charge anything, and if you couldn't pay, Matthew could actually take your children away from you as payment. I mean, this, this is not a good guy. And he was hated. He's working for the enemy. And yet Jesus says, would you follow me? I mean, think about it. Jesus could have said a lot of things to Matthew. He really could have. He could have said, how dare you? He could have said, you're not doing right. He could have, but he doesn't. He says, follow me. What do you think the, the other people around Jesus at that point, what do you think the disciples think? Now, Matthew could have responded in a lot of different ways back to Jesus, but what he did is he got up 
He left everything and he followed. What do you think the disciples think when he's now asked Matthew to follow, Matthew leaves everything and follows Jesus? What do you think they're thinking? I'm thinking they're thinking, it can't be that easy. It can't be that easy that a guy like that can get up and follow Jesus. It's not that simple. But here's the bottom line about Jesus. Is if you identify with him, he'll identify with you. Isn't that great? We have a Savior that if you identify with him, he will identify with you. And so here's my question for you tonight. Are you following Are you following Jesus? The next time we see Jesus, he's at Matthew's house and the verses that follow. And it says in verse 10, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Isn't that interesting? Why? Why? Here's the thing. Jesus was very comfortable with people that weren't like him. Jesus was very comfortable with people that aren't like him. And think about who Jesus is. Jesus is God in a body. So it doesn't matter if you're the scum of the earth or you're the upstanding citizen. We all don't really deserve to, to be with Jesus, but But he is very comfortable with the scum, with the worst of the worst. And Jesus actually liked them. And they liked Jesus as well. And you know what it tells me is that Jesus is saying, everyone's welcome at my table. Everyone's welcome at my table. I will dine with anyone. And this is what I want to say very clearly and, and, and this is my heart, that if you ever walk into church and you don't feel the love of God, that is not God's fault. That's our fault. That's my fault as a pastor. If anybody ever walks through these doors and does not feel the love of God, that is our fault. Want to know why? Because Jesus would like you. He loves you. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to eat with him, to be in relationship with him. He would not be put off by you. He would not be uncomfortable around you. See, in in that ancient culture, and it's today too, so you can just put it in today, but talking about back then, in that culture, there's this difference between the holy and the profane, or the clean and the unclean. That if, if you were sick, you were unclean, and so I can't go by a sick person. That's why when Jesus is traveling, the lepers are off by themselves, or those that are blind are by themselves, or those that are sick have to kind of stay at a distance because they can't be around the clean people, and so that's kind of the way it is in that society because they've obviously been cursed by God. So they're unclean, and I can't take my cleanliness because the, the unclean makes the clean dirty. But what does Jesus do? He walks in the midst of those that are unclean. He touches lepers. 
He eats with sinners. And these sinners are the worst of the worst of that time period. And he eats with them and he dines with them and he touches them and he's close to them. You want to know why? Because Jesus knew that it wasn't they that would make him unholy, but it is only he that could make them holy. That he's the only one that can come in and clean them up. And that's why we have to be so careful. Oh, the world's so bad and it's so unclean. The world needs you. It will not dirty you up. You will bring the holiness of God with you when you go. Jesus understood that. Sometimes we forget it. But we've got to remember that we we have Jesus who makes unclean things clean. That makes profane things holy. We have that Jesus, that power living inside of us. We have to remember that. and We have to live that way. Hear Jesus' heart here in the next verses in verse 12 of Matthew chapter 9. When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. This story happens at a very interesting point in the context of Matthew's writing. When Matthew writes, we have the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5-7, through which is a a compilation of Jesus' teaching there on the Sermon on the Mount. Then in chapter 8 and chapter 9, he begins to rehearse, Matthew in his writing, all the miracles of Jesus and the healings of Jesus and all the things that he's doing. And then we find this story right in the middle of these healings. Because I believe Jesus didn't come just to heal the sick, he came to heal the broken. He came to heal those that were in need of him. Because to be honest with you, we're all sick. It doesn't matter if you're young or old, rich or poor, religious or sinner. Romans is super clear in chapter 3, verse 23. Everyone has sinned, and we fall short of God's glorious standard. When you say, I need Jesus, you're a candidate to follow him. That's what Jesus is looking for. It's not about believing and doing the right things. That if I believe and I behave, then I'm okay. Here's an important thing. It'll be on the screen. Religion says, change and you can join us. But Jesus says, join and you will change. That's really important. I can't can't preach that enough. That needs to be written down. Religion says, change, and then you can join us. Relationship, Jesus says, join, and you will change. And so the invitation here is, follow me. Follow me. Be in relationship with me. Now, we have a lot of baggage because, you know, just growing up in church or playing the Jesus Says game, So I'm going to give you some lessons we learned. If we just saw these stories without any of the extras that we've grown up learning and thinking about, I want to talk to you, and I'm going to give you four lessons we learned. And some of these might blow your mind. In fact, I was writing one down, and I remember when I was typing, it's like, I can't even believe I'm writing this down. But it's a truth that we learn from this story. The first lesson we learn is being a sinner does not disqualify you. It is a prerequisite. If you want to follow Jesus, being a sinner does not disqualify you. It's a prerequisite. They should be on the screen here in just a moment. 
the only ones who didn't follow Jesus were the ones who thought they were good enough, the ones that thought they had it all together. I want to tell you, Jesus is inviting all of us to follow him. And all you have to do is just say, I'm a sinner. I, I need you, Jesus. He said, I didn't come for the healthy, I came for the sick. In the midst of the context of all the healings that Jesus did, he said, I've come. That's why I've come. And all you have to do is say, I'm a sinner. I, I'm, I'm ready to follow. Because if you think you're good enough, good luck with that. Try that out. Play the game Jesus says. But the reality is he's saying, I want a relationship. I want to change you. Don't change yourself. I want to change you. Number two, this is one that kind of blew me out of the water. It's like the wow moment. Listen to this. Being an unbeliever doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. I want to explain that. What I saw in these stories is that none of Jesus' earliest followers really knew who he was. And this, this, this statement is really challenging me with sharing my faith. Because, and when you read the Gospels, this is what's really interesting. About two to three years into Jesus' ministry, and it's hard to completely figure out, but about two or three years into Jesus' ministry, there's a, there's a phrase that starts popping up, and then they believed in Jesus. I'm like, so, so it took two or three years, but then they believed, it's that idea, that then they believed in Jesus. Let me tell you, Jesus doesn't kick anybody out just because they doubt. Jesus doesn't kick anybody out just because they make a mistake. I want to tell you, invite people in, even if they don't believe everything, even if they don't understand everything. This has changed my life when it comes to evangelism and inviting people to church because a lot of times I think, what are they going to think when we're worshiping? What are they going to think about my preaching? What are they going to think about this or that when we preach, hey, you've got to follow Jesus? It's like Jesus invited the scum of the earth to follow him. Even when they didn't believe, even when they didn't understand, he said, just come, just follow me. Because again, it's not about changing to join. It's about joining and then you change. So why not take that risk at work, in your neighborhood, wherever, and invite somebody on Easter. Invite somebody on Palm Sunday. Invite somebody to the bike blessing. Invite somebody, because you know what? You don't have to believe everything to start following. Because when we start to follow, that relationship begins, and then Jesus begins to change us. Number three, the invitation to follow is purely an invitation to relationship. It's purely an invitation to relationship. It is not an invitation to the Ten Commandments. Because rules do not make a relationship. Love leads us to do different things. This is really important. You know, I, I think about my relationship with Leslie, my wife, and, and we're, we're going to be married 20 years next month, and, and, and God's been good to us, and, and I just, you know, we love each other. There, are there rules in a relationship? I guess. I don't know. I don't know what the rule is to be, I've got to do these things to be a good husband. Just, I love her. I just want to do things for her. I, or I know she wants to do things for me. It's just like, it's a relationship. We don't say, well, we better hold hands because we're married. We better kiss because we're married. You know, it's, no, it's, it's relationship. It's an invitation into a relationship. Romans 2.4 says it's the kindness or goodness of God that is intended to lead you to repentance. That's the relationship. I love God. I, I want to be close to Him. And, and so that relationship 
leads me. And, and what happens with this repentance is that repentance actually means to change, to turn around. And those things begin to turn around when I'm in relationship with Jesus. Number four, following forces me to focus on where I am rather than where you are not. i got to look at myself. When I'm following, I don't have time to look around and see what everybody else is. Are they playing, Jesus says, because I'm still in the game. You're out. I'm still in. And, and, it, and we get that pharisaical thing. When you follow, you don't have time to be a Pharisee. You're following Jesus. You're, you're focusing on what God wants to do in your life, where God is leading you. And imagine what the world would be like if all of his followers were really following him. Imagine what the body of Christ would be like if we were all truly following and not checking up on each other or, or, or challenging each other or doing our own thing. If we were really focused in, focused on where am, am I following? See, Jesus gives this invitation, follow me to everyone. Follow me. I don't know if I believe everything. Just follow me. He came to reveal God to us. Our relationship is not defined by a thousand different rules, but just a simple request of Jesus. Follow me. So the question tonight, first question, is are you following? You have to ask yourself, am I following Jesus? I'm not talking about striving. I'm not talking about playing Jesus says. Are you following are you letting him lead? See, when we, when we let Jesus lead, you know what's going to happen? The Bible says in Romans 8 to 29 that what the outcome of our life will be, what he has predestined us to become when we follow him, is conformed into the image of Jesus. That I would be following him, and in the process, he's making me more like himself. And so you have to ask the question am I following? Am I following to the point where I look more like Jesus? Unless like Daryl. So we would follow Jesus. Are you following? The second question is, are you inviting anyone else to follow? Are you, are you inviting anyone else to follow Jesus? I'm not talking about just preaching somebody and, and, and giving them just you know, your spiel, but are you inviting others to follow Jesus? Are you inviting others Palm Sunday, to Easter, to the Ascension Convention, to the bike blessing, to all these Are you inviting? And you say, well, I don't know if my neighbor even cares about God. It doesn't matter. There's no one you know that is better off without Jesus in their life. Not one person. So are you inviting people to follow? And let me ask you this. Aren't you glad that somebody invited you to follow? Where would you be if no one had invited you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight. And we're going to sing the song, Mighty to Save Again. And the words are just so appropriate for this message. But, but those are the questions tonight. Are you following? I know this is challenging. I know it kind of pushes us out of the box a little bit. But Jesus invites everyone to follow. And I know it's a lot of fun sometimes to play Jesus Says when you're doing well. But we do not need to be a church full of good Pharisees. We need to be like Christ. 
mean, just again, imagine what the world would look like if we were all following Jesus. I want to pray for you tonight. Then we're going to sing. You know what I'm going to do before we pray? I just I feel led we got to do this. I don't know everybody here. I don't know everybody watching online or listening wherever you're at. I just want to make sure you're following Jesus. And, and There's no formula to following. You know, Matthew and Andrew and Peter and James and John, they all followed. They just started that journey. I'm going to invite you to start that journey tonight with a prayer. And I want you just to say this prayer. If you're saying, hey, I'm following Jesus, I just I want that relationship with God. I, I want to start following Jesus. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to turn from my sins. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Let me pray for you tonight. God, we just thank you for those that make that commitment. Lord, whether we made that commitment just now, and God, you're already leading us, or whether we made that commitment as a child or anywhere in between, Lord, we just want to follow you. Lord, we want to stop playing the games and all the different rules. And Lord, forgive us for being great Pharisees. God, we want to know your love. And we want to share your love. We want to be more like you, Jesus. Jesus, you are comfortable at any table. The rich or the poor. The religious or the sinner. Jesus, you don't turn anyone away. Would you make us more like you? We want to follow you. We want to invite others to follow as well. We love you tonight, God. And we ask that your word would change our hearts and make us more like you. Would you stand tonight and sing the song together? He is mighty to save.